Good morning and happy Father's Day. If you forgot to call your father this morning, you have all forget. This morning I'm excited about the story that we're going to hear in just a little bit because it has a great example of grit. How many of you have needed a little grit lately? I think we need to call some people who are uh, members of boycotts because just as it rains doesn't mean you don't come to church. But today, as we go into these stories, we get to hear a great example of grit with the Apostle Paul. And he's going to, as he goes into this, his own story of how his passion to share God's word, passion and desire to share with God's people, was so great that he would face anything so that they could hear. I think it's important that we hear it on Father's Day because so many of us as fathers, we need grit. Many times you're faced with things oppose you. And sometimes you realize that you've made your own failure. And to get up and start again requires grit. I mean, as I look at fathers today, I see many times that they do the best with what they've been given. And sometimes even with that, their children will rebel against them. They'll say things to them that they wish they would never have heard. But what the Lord is asking us to do is to persevere. Many of us are spiritual fathers, and we've been called to lead a community. And the Lord is saying this morning, do so with grit. When I look at Paul, I see that the moment that he experienced Jesus on that road to Damascus, he experienced such great love from Jesus that the passion that he started changed from a passion of stopping this message of Jesus into this message has to be heard by everybody. And passion continues with perseverance and also includes patience. Let's listen to the story. went to a city called Iconium and preached the message of Christ at the Jewish synagogue. The reactions were extreme. A great number of Jews and Gentiles put their faith in Jesus, but others were offended and eventually stirred up the population against the Christians. Soon the entire city was in an uproar. City officials decided that the only way to solve the problem was to kill Paul and Barnabas. The apostles found out about this and were able to escape. They went to a town called Lystra, and Paul preached the gospel of Christ. A man was sitting nearby who had been crippled since birth. He listened carefully to everything that was being said. Paul looked at the man and realized that God had put faith in his heart. So he said to him, Stand up! Immediately the man got up and started walking. The people saw this and were amazed. They started yelling, The gods have come to visit us! People crowded around to see the gods who looked like men. Soon a pagan priest ran up with some animals. 
he and the people started sacrificing to Paul and Barnabas. The apostles were horrified and ran out among the people. What are you doing? We are men just like you. We're here to bring you good news. God wants you to leave such foolishness and turn to him. He created all things, and he's the one who provides for your daily needs. Still, the people wanted to sacrifice animals to them. During this commotion, Jews arrived from the other cities where Paul and Barnabas had been. It didn't take long to turn the crowd into an angry mob. They picked up large rocks to kill Paul surrounding him. They threw the stones until he fell beneath the blows. This continued until they thought he was dead. His body was dragged out of the city and thrown into a trash heap. The believers of Christ gathered around the body of Paul to mourn his death. Suddenly he stood up and walked back into the city. The next day he and Barnabas went to another city where many people put their faith in Christ. At this point, they revisited the various places they had been. They encouraged the believers and appointed elders for the churches. All of these towns were in a region called Galatia. Finally, they sailed back to Antioch to visit the church that had sent them out. When they arrived, the people gathered to hear all that had happened on their trip. Paul and Barnabas told what God had done and how he opened doors so Gentiles could put their faith in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask we go through this story today of Paul and Barnabas, that you would allow your words to rest upon our hearts to go deeper into the places where we have many times rebelled against it, that we'd receive it today, that you would heal the wounds that are there and restore to health the areas that are sick, that we may look upon you as a good father, one who loves us, who will never forsake us, and is always with us. In your name we pray. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 14 today as we go through the story. We're not going to, you just heard the story. We are going to hit some of the verses that I see some great examples of grit. And the reason why we're going to do this is that we want to be disciples who live out our life with grit. We don't want to be disciples with passion, right? Like that. <laughs> we don't want to be disciples who don't have perseverance, right? We don't want to be disciples who don't have patience, right? Right. Just agree with me. Makes it a great morning. Chapter 14 in Acts, verses 2 and 3. It says, some of the Jews, this is right after they go in, they've seen something great. People are receiving the message of Jesus because it's a really good message. It's a message that says, Gave his life up for you. It means that though you may die, you will always have life. He'll raise you back up, just like Jesus was raised from death. Message like it. There are religions in this world that say you can become something else. I personally don't want to be a salamander. There are religions in this world that will say that you can become this spiritual being. Well, I kind of like my body. I would like it restored. 
I would like to have life like I know life now, only much, much better. So when Paul's preaching this message, realize he's preaching Greeks who believe the gods are far away, untouchable, do not care, and actually mess around with you. He's preaching to Jews who think God has forgotten them and that the Messiah hasn't yet come. So when people begin to hear this message, Jesus in the flesh is God, has come, but with every bit of excitement, there's always naysayers. Jews, however, spurned, these are strong words, God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But, and this is folded on behalf, but the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord's message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But they stayed there a long time. Paul's passion for these people allowed him to have perseverance even when there was an obstacle against him. His desire for them to understand and know the love of God was more important to him than if people liked him or not. Now, this is hard to do. Maybe you guys have been or experienced being in a place where people don't like you. This morning I heard a story of a pediatrician. Pediatrician is their children, right? More specifically, the health of children. There's no bigger smile on a pedi pedi uh, pediatrics doctor or pediatrician that would say when a child comes in and they're perfectly healthy, the child's perfectly healthy, unless they're corrupt and they just want to make money. But most of them really love children. And they want to see healthy kids. Well, this particular doctor, I don't know her personally, but according to her interview, she really, really love children. She happened to live in Flint, Michigan. She just happened to be in the right spot at the right time. She was a researcher and pediatrician. And what she saw was that kids were getting sick. When a pediatrician noticed that it called out to the authorities, she went to the state government because Flint had kind of seen a lot of downturn. And their actual government was taken over by the state government. So they had city councilmen. They were just pawns. They really didn't do anything. They couldn't make any decisions. And what they had done is they had switched the water source that was coming from Detroit. They switched it over and they took it out of a river. What they had forgotten to do is that there was this certain substance that they put in the water in Detroit that would keep the lead in the pipes from flaking off. And so when they're pumping in this water that they thought was fine, 
It was fine until it entered the pipes of these old homes, mostly of those who were underprivileged and were unable to filter their water. And these kids were getting sick. And she went to work community hospital where she got to see a lot of these kids. Well, the government immediately started to release press releases that she was a bad researcher. That she was causing hysteria where it didn't need to be. In the face of great opposition, this pediatrician had a choice. She could have just quit. She could have walked away, but I believe her passion for the health of children told her, no, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for these kids who are sick. Because these kids are not just a number, they have a name, and some of them I know. And then you guys know the rest of the story. They're still trying to restore things. In but the government apologized. They said, is our wrong. And this pediatrician now continues to be an active participant in the welfare of these kids' lives. Some of you may not know this. Some of you know it well. I was an interim principal for a short time, about six months. Many people rejoiced that I was taking this position. There was a lot of encouragement for, from a few. But guess what? There was some opposition as well. And the opposition was within the own, my own staff. And I would enter a room and I would have stairs, definitely stairs, and always there was a portion of the room that was whispering. Not kind things. My passion was to help a school that was kind of in problems and having challenges. But it wasn't seen that way. And I had a choice. Quit or just keep moving forward. Oftentimes perseverance, and that's why it's called perseverance, is not meant to be easy. It's meant to make you look at your passion and make a decision. Is this really your passion? It doesn't mean that when you persevere, that you won't make any mistakes. It means that you rely on the power of God to do the best that He can do with you. Paul continues in verses 19 and 20. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the town thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, note this part, he got up and went back into the town. With Barnabas for Derby. This is perseverance. I don't know how many of you have been, none of you, I'm guessing. Have a, a good friend. In fact, he's on our board, Victor Arias. He's probably been the closest to it. His son threw a baseball, and he was throwing that. He wasn't messing around. Victor went 
blacked out. I don't know how many of you have been through a hailstorm. That usually occurs more north. That's a little bit of what it seems like, I would assume, to be stoned. If you're stuck out in a field and you get hail. I've only had hail when it's really small, and it hurts. But these are stones. So I want you to step into Paul's shoes. The people that decide to stone him are the very people that he shared the good news with in Antioch. These are the people who sent him to this place. Now, not actually not thrilled about Paul. But they made the choice to make a journey to this place because they hated this guy so much. And then they joined in with the other people that hated him so much and drug him out and began to stone him. And this was not the first time for many of these people who were stoning. They knew how to stone. This was part of the culture that if you sinned, you got stoned. So they knew how to stone someone to death. So this wasn't one baseball hitting you here. This was several all over your body. And then he was so dead, they dragged him out and left him. All I can see is the Spirit of God interceded in the life of Paul and, in a sense, raised him from the dead. Right? We always have choices. Right? We always have choices. He had a choice, and I think most of us, I don't want to speak for you, so I'll just I'll say instead most of us, I, if you all drag me out and stone me, But I'll change it. If a bunch of people that didn't like me came over here and dragged me out and stoned me, and none of you all got in the way. <laughs> and I was laying up there on the street bleeding, and I woke up. I probably wouldn't get up and walk back in here and go, okay, let's start the message again. <laughs> was a little bruising, but I'm okay. I would say, I'm getting the heck out of here. Sarah, pack up the, I don't care if we leave everything. We're getting out of Houston. We're going to go somewhere where they like me. No, he to the town. It's his passion. That, that he would persevere even through death so that people could life. I think we have to be that way as spiritual fathers, as biological fathers. Now, I wouldn't say that Mike ever stoned me. Victor could say, kinda. But I know that my kids have said some things to me that were unkind. I know as a spiritual father, as a pastor, I've received some words that were unkind. For missional community leaders, sometimes it's hard when you've invested so much into people's lives and then they just stop coming. They just walk away. 
I know for some of you who have discipled others that you have shared God's word with them, and then for whatever reason they just get bad. It hurts. For some of you, you have friends who have thrown not literal stones, figurative stones of words against you. And it's hurt your heart. You feel bruised. But I hear the Lord saying in life. That's not easy. That doesn't sound like a, a thing you want to be passionate about. So you don't think about what you have to persevere against to persevere. What you think about is what you're passionate about. I know Paul wasn't thinking about, oh, if I walk back in this town and stone me again. He said, no, I got to walk back into town because they have to hear this message. Obviously, they don't get it. Obviously, they have not yet seen God's love. Fathers do the best that they can, but they've been given. And as fathers today, I want us to think about, has the Lord put enough passion in my life for my children? Whether they be my biological children or my spiritual children, that no matter what they do, I'll walk back into their life. That's a question I want you to rest on your heart. No matter what you're up against, will you walk back into their life? Verses 21 and 22, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystria, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. This is perseverance. And in the life of Paul, we see how he persevered, no matter what was there. But there is another element in this grit that we see that includes passion, perseverance, and also patience. In Acts chapter 14, it says, Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how he had opened up the door of faith to the Gentiles. Listen to these words. He didn't talk about all the stoning and all the hardships. He talked about all the great things that God had done in giving life to these people. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. When you have a sentence like that, that relates to patience. You stay there for a long time. We were at a synodical, or not synodical, a district convention this last week, which 
That, that may not mean anything. What it means, here, are you ready for this? What it means is we're a part of a larger body. It's called the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And it's broken up because there's a lot of people in it into different districts. Texas, all except for El Paso. Don't ask me why. Basically because they have some mountains. So they're in the Rocky Mountain District. The rest of Texas is in Texas. And it's this large, it's the second largest district in our LCMS. There's a lot of churches. And so we all come together to make decisions. I had the, the privilege of going with the Schmitz. Nelson was our lay delegate. He got to vote with me on these issues. Sometimes you have to stay somewhere for a long time. It was only two days. But if you want to see results, you have to stay. People. We want to see change in other people's lives. We want to see them receive the message of hope from Jesus. That doesn't mean that you stand there and go, here's the gospel of Jesus. And someone receives it and go, okay, see you later. Have fun with that. It means you stay for a long time, as long as the Lord will allow you. In fact, they did a study, and they said, and you guys have probably know, and this isn't just the Lutheran across all denominations, that we see that those who enter the ages of 10 to 20 have a mass exodus of the church. Then once they go through, like, formation, maybe they, they go through saying they want to be baptized, and they get baptized in the Baptist church, which is kind of like confirmation in the Lutheran church. After they go through that ritual, then they go, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. Check the box. I'm done. They said one of the things that they combat against that is the longevity of pastors in a place. That it's not so good for a pastor, if you look at this, this research, to jump around from place to place to place because the people need to have longevity in the leadership. They need to know that that leader will be patient with them. One of my greatest joys as a leader is to see people who I've seen the beginning of discipleship happen exit and then return and continue discipleship not return to stone me return to continue the journey of discipleship not because of me but I see that the spirit gives me just a little open door of I'm still working even when you are not there I'm still leading even when you are not there Aaron, it's not about you, but you are here for a purpose. And it is a great joy to see people return and continue that walk. We've got an image here. It's called the grit triangle. You'll see that passion is a spear. And that's because you want, if you want grit, 
it has to start with what is your passion. We'll see this. You can use this in anything. If you want to start a new business, you better be passionate about it. If you're going to start a new restaurant, you better be passionate about making food. If you want to do a bed and breakfast, you better be passionate about having to be in that house all the time. If you want to have children, you better be passionate about kids. want to be in leadership, you better be passionate about leading. If you want to be a teacher, you better be passionate about teaching kids. It's a sad classroom. The Gumtoes could probably attest to this. In a teacher's classroom, when the teacher doesn't care about kids, whew, that's sad. It's sad for the school. It's sad for the kids. It's sad for them. Because they've missed out on what is their passion? But today, as disciple makers, the number one passion should be the same as Paul's. We have received a message about life. Not just this life, but life everlasting. And it comes simply through believing that Jesus has died, rose again, and ascended for you. And that that same promise is there for you. And that when you share it with someone and they receive it through baptism, they receive new life too. They receive a name upon them, God's name upon them. I want that to be your passion. To share with whoever you can. And I'm going to say it's not easy. Yesterday we were, we started with the family because we want to do things as a family because we are family. So we try to find things that we can do as a whole family. And there are choices. I was sitting there because my sister and niece are in town and they have to watch this video before they can climb. So I was sitting there and there's this family that walked by and I thought as they're coming, I thought, Lord, are you asking me to engage? Or can I just put on my climbing shoes? Be in my own little world. I don't have to do this now. But I thought, no, you're asking me to engage. Because I've engaged a lot at this place. And pastors sometimes are the worst engagers. So I was kind of tired of engaging. But I said, hey, how are you guys? How old is your baby? They're like three months. I said, oh, I'm tired, huh? Oh, we're tired. We're tired. And they started saying, well, how many kids do you have? I said, we have four. And they go, oh, (laughs) we don't don't know how you do that. And I said, well, you just keep adding. (laughs) One day you end up with four. Then you say, no more. And then I got their names and got to see their little baby girl. And they said, oh, man, we just we start to worry about when she's going to be two years old. What are we going to do when we've got all this stuff and she's moving? And I said, well, this guy, his name is Jesus. And he said, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble on its own. And I said, that's great parenting advice. I wish a lot of parents would receive that because... 
sometimes parents worry too much about the next month or really what's going to happen when they're 21, when they're one. How about we just enjoy today? Because tomorrow is going to bring out other challenges where we have to persevere. So when I think about engagement, when I think about that passion, I wanted to make sure that this, this family, maybe I'll never see them again. But my prayer, this is my persevering in this, is that we will encounter them again, whether it be at the climbing place or somewhere in the neighborhood. And that we will get to again possibly give them some peace that only comes through Jesus. And that possibly, possibly, they too will know that life with Jesus is better than anything else. Now, you didn't hear me say, and they'll become members at Oikos. If you haven't figured this out already, that is not my passion. My passion is that people would experience Jesus. I think what we have here is really good. So, of course, I'll invite them into it. But if they end up at another church and they're experiencing Jesus and they, that passion grows and they're sharing Jesus and they persevere through hardship and they're patient, I'm going to rejoice. Because guess what? We're not competing against one another. You may have driven past several churches on the way over here. We're not in competition. We should be in partnership. Because we are under one name, and that name is Jesus. We just happen to work together. And we invite them into this larger family. So as you go about what the Lord has asked you to do, I would ask that you begin putting these words together. Passion, perseverance, and patience. You remember the story of Paul. That no matter what it was, he kept going. Even being stoned, he returned. That as fathers, as spiritual mothers, as leaders, that we think through and say, Lord, may I walk back into that life. May you give me an opportunity to walk back into that life, even if they've spurned against me. Even if they have said things that are atrocious about me. Even if they've hit me. May I walk back into their life. May I bring your peace. May it not be about me, about them liking me or loving me, but may it be about them loving you. No matter who it is or where they are. What's interesting is that this whole area that Paul was ministering in was called Galatia. Now there's a letter in the Bible called the book or letter of Galatians. And Paul gives several instructions throughout this book because he's talking to these very people, some who probably stoned him, because I just have to believe that some of those who were there stoning him that day still received the message. That some of them who stoned him that day, when he returned to town, said, uh-oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. 
And what was that message again? And they actually believed. Because that's how God's power, how his authority, how his love, how his spirit works. It doesn't work in the way we want him to. He works the way he wants to. And oftentimes, your greatest enemy becomes your best friend. Just think about that. Sometimes your greatest enemy becomes your best friend because the Holy Spirit works. Because that's what he does. He renews, he refreshes, and he brings life. So in the closing words in Galatians, Paul writes, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Patience. Perseverance. Passion. Where is the Lord asking you to bring life? Not your life, his life. Where is he asking you to bring his message? Not your message, his message. Where is he asking you to face perseverance and persecution dead on? So that you wouldn't walk away, but you'd walk into. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us time to gather together this morning as family. That our extended family, Shemira, has come in to lead us in worship. That we get to see images of what you're doing throughout the city. We pray that upon all of us, Lord, as we gather together, it's always a different crowd here at Oikos. But we know that you are the one who called each of us out of our bed, into our car, to come. Help us to see that that is significant. That you don't do anything that's insignificant, that you are always active and working in our lives. Lord, I pray for the words that may have made some disturbance in our heart. That we'd wrestle with you on that. Lord, I pray for the things that brought peace to our heart, that we would receive it and embrace it. And for the things that challenged us, Lord, that we would look at that and know that it is not something we have to do. It's you inviting us to do it with you. That you're the active partner in this. You're the spear. Lord, help us to see how much you do, even when, we're think, even when we think we're doing everything, that really we're hardly doing anything. And it's your spirit, your love, your power, your healing that's causing these trans transformations. You're simply asking us to love what we've received, to keep going when it's hard, and to not walk away too soon. Lord, help us to do that. Put grit in our hearts, Lord, because it can only come from you. In your name we pray. Amen. Join me as we pray the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven. 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 